So, last week we began our series, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, and we looked at spiritual disciplines as we took some time to look at the story of Mary and Martha. And one of the things that we learned from looking at the story was we have to have an equal balance. We have to have an equal balance between serving the Lord and that also that equal balance of worshiping the Lord. And a lot of times we really get stuck in one way or the other. Well, we'll do nothing but serve the Lord, or we'll do nothing but sit at the feet of the Lord. And I think a lot of it in what we talked about was actually having our focus on the right thing and looking at the focus that we had, because a lot of people will do work for the Lord, but never take time to dig into His Word. And they take that time of serving as, well, I'm worshiping the Lord and I'm doing all this good stuff. But a lot of times all that good stuff that we do just keeps us busy and distracts us from what God is calling us to do. So we got to have that equal balance. So now this week we're going to look at the spiritual discipline of fasting. Now the spiritual discipline of fasting is an ancient one. It's crossed time. It's crossed, you know, Crossed all different um, regions of the world. It's even practiced in different denominations and different religions. So fasting is something that is it's ancient and has been done for a long time. And abstaining from food for a period of time in the Old Testament, a lot of times it was they did it for spiritual reasons or they would do it because something was going wrong. They were in distress or something. Um, and they would sit there, so they would take time to fast so that they would hear the voice of God. And you could really see it back in 2 Samuel and also in the book of Esther, which both talk a lot about fasting, and then fasting for times of distress and for times of uncertainty. And ultimately, fasting has evolved from there. And unfortunately, like anything else in this world, as fasting has evolved through religious practices, it has also become commercialized because you have all kinds of books out there on, you know, fasting for this to lose weight or fasting, and they made a diet out of fasting. Well, that is not what fasting is about, and we're going to see that this morning, hopefully, that we'll see it's not about a diet, it's not about losing weight, is it about growing your relationship with God. It's about growing closer to Him and having that intimate relationship with Him. And whenever practiced with the proper motivation, it will clear your mind and bring you closer to God. And Richard Foster, in his book, uh, Celebration of Discipline, wrote this. More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. And this is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of God. So it's notable that all the gospel accounts of Jesus all begin with fasting. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, where we're going to spend time today, uh, it talks about the fasting, Jesus' fasting. Also, the beginning of Mark in chapter 1 and the beginning of Luke in chapter 4 all point towards the same scripture that we're going to be looking at today. And in each, in each of the telling of the uh, temptation narratives, the temptations of Christ, it is the spirit which leads or literally transports Jesus into the wilderness. And during that time, his strongest defense is his weakness. 
So it's our utter dependence upon God the Father for our physical strength and for as he consistently defied the temptations of Satan, you'll see it's because of God being with him. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open Mark chapter four, uh, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 1 through 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew with you. The verses will also be up on the screen next to us. So let's go to the, God's Word. It said, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these, that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Heavenly Father, as we spend time in your word this morning, Lord, Lord, I ask that you open up our hearts and open up our minds and our ears so that we, we may hear what you have to say, and that your word will dwell deep inside our heart and be the words from our mouth as we continue to move forward throughout this week. And Lord, may my words be your words and glorify your name, and we'll make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so as we begin today, I think one of the first things we need to look at is what does the Bible say about fasting? What does the Bible actually say about fasting? So to kind of explain that, I found this really cool video on gotquestions.org. So if you would, take a look at this video real quick. What does the Bible say about Christian fasting? We're going to answer that question. Fasting is a way to demonstrate to God and to ourselves that we are serious about our relationship with Him. First, let's lay out some fasting truths. Scripture does not command Christians to fast. God does not require or demand it of Christians. And at the same time, the Bible presents fasting as something that is good, profitable, and beneficial. The book of Acts records believers fasting before they made important decisions. Fasting and prayer are often linked together. Too often, though, the focus of fasting is on the lack of food. Instead, the purpose of fasting should be to take your eyes off the things of this world and focus completely on God. Fasting helps us gain that new perspective and a renewed reliance upon God. 
Although fasting in scripture is almost always a fast from food, there are other ways to fast. Anything given up temporarily in order to focus all our attention on God can be considered a fast. Fasting should be limited to a set time, especially when fasting from food. Extended periods of time without eating can be harmful to the body. Fasting is not intended to punish the flesh, but to redirect our attention to God. Fasting should not be considered a dieting method either. The purpose of a biblical fast is not to lose weight, but rather to gain deeper fellowship with God. Anyone can fast, but some may not be able to fast from food, diabetics for example. However, everyone can temporarily give up something in order to draw closer to God. By taking our eyes off the things of this world, we can more successfully turn our attention to Christ. Here are some closing facts. Fasting is not a way to get God to do what we want. Fasting changes us, not God. Fasting is not a way to appear more spiritual than others. And fasting is to be done in a spirit of humility and with a joyful attitude. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That answers the question, what does the Bible say about Christian fasting? Research this question further on our website, gotquestions.org. Be sure to click subscribe and check out these other questions. So one thing as you heard, um, let me say it again. Fasting is no, in no means is commanded by Scripture. The Bible does not tell us we have to fast. However, both the Old Testament and the New Testament teach the value of fasting, which is abstaining from food or drink in order to focus on God and for us to be able to seek God's will. And I will tell you that fasting is mentioned over 70 times throughout the Bible. Um, in the Old Testament, there are actually two different types of fasting. There was fasting that was public and past, uh, fasting that was private. And both of them basically had spiritual benefits to them. And many examples of people in the Bible um, who fasted, we know that it, God granted them supernatural revelation and wisdom through their time of fasting. We know Moses fasted, we know Daniel fasted, and we know that Jesus even fasted. So scripture tells us that fasting is to help us grow in a more intimate relationship with Christ and open our eyes to God's will for our lives. Now I'll tell you, being raised Catholic, uh, fasting was something that we did every year. We did it for Lent. Now of course most Baptists don't practice Lent, and a lot of Baptists don't even know what Lent is. Um, but Lent is basically the 40 days from, um, Palm, from Ash Wednesday to Easter. And basically, we'd have to give up something for Lent. And in America, Lent has basically become like a mini New Year's resolution. It's kind of like, well, I'm going to go ahead and give up smoking for 40 days, or I'm going to go ahead and give up Facebook or something like this. And it was this little short period of 40 days that kind of made you feel good about yourself. You know, instead of failing on a New Year's resolution after seven days, you'd fail on a 40-day Lent after about seven days. But it was kind of this new, you know, it, it became more of this little mini thing to make yourself feel good instead of actually focusing towards God. And however, in the Bible, fasting is serious. 
Fasting is serious in the Bible, and I really don't think that Jesus spent 40 days in the desert and giving up Facebook and coffee. You know, it's not even what the Bible says. The Bible says that he ate nothing for 40 days. And that's, ser- that's serious, to eat nothing for 40 days. And, you know, one of the questions I've always had about this is, about his 40 days is, can someone really go 40 days without food? Can a human being actually be alive without food after 40 days? You know, and, and some commentators would say, well, Jesus was able to go 40 days without food because he was divine. You know, and, and I'm really not satisfied with that answer. To me, that's a cop-out. It's, it's an easy answer. I think it's a lazy answer, and I just think it's an easy way out. Well, he was divine. That's why he was able to do it, and I just don't agree with that answer. We, because, and the, you know, we all know that Jesus was fully God. And he was fully human. But no time while he was here on earth did he use any of his um, divine power to benefit himself. He never used his divine power to benefit himself. So I really can't say that he spent 40 days in the desert without eating because he was divine. You know, in, in fact, the devil even tempted him at the end of that 40 days to try and use his power as a quick fix. Hey, just go ahead and take these stones and turn them into bread. I know you're hungry. And Jesus didn't do it. So we know he wouldn't use his divine power for his own good. The Bible actually says that he was hungry. Some versions will actually say that he was famished. And which tells us that just like us, after this period of time, that Jesus was hungry from not eating. So my question still remains, did he really fast for 40 days? Now, the Bible says it, so the Bible says it, so I believe it. But, of course, I still got to ask that question. Did he really fast for 40 days, and can someone actually do it? So another one of the commentators, you know, they say, well, the 40 days is symbolic of the 40 years that the Israelites spent in the desert. I still think it's a cop-out. I don't think that's the actual answer. And unfortunately, people look at this and they'll say, okay, well, yeah, he did it because he was divine. He did it. It's a symbol. But that's not what God's word says. God's word says that he went 40 days. So is it possible? And so I still wasn't quite satisfied. And, you know, nowadays with that super highway we have of information that all we got to do is get on a computer and we can type in, can someone fast for 40 days? And, you know, a big saying nowadays is you got to follow the science. You got, that's what we hear all the time. So you know what we're going to do this morning? We're going to follow the science. We're going to follow the science and see what the science says. And I will tell you, scientific data, just that I've learned, does say that a person of average height and weight can actually go 40 days without any food or water, which I was kind of surprised. It says they can do it, and it actually has a great deal of health benefits. But after 40 days, it becomes very dangerous. And what it says is quite fascinating to learn. There's a lot of different discoveries with it. But I do want to give you a disclaimer. Before you try this at home, (laughs) consult a doctor. (laughs) All right? So today we're we're looking at the spiritual significance of it. 
And I've discovered that fasting is kind of like muscle toning. It takes practice to be able to do it. So, you know, you're not going to go into the gym and say, you know what, I'm going to bench press 300 pounds 10 times today, and you've never worked out. It's not going to happen. You've got to work up to it. Well, the same thing with fasting. If you're going to fast for a long period of time, you've got to kind of work up to it. So it's kind of like building the muscles and building it up. And Jesus would have done a lot of fasting leading up into this because in Jew Judaism, fasting is a normal occurrence. So Jesus throughout his life would have had a lot of smaller, small times of fasting and different times of fasting to help him be prepared for this long term. Now, fasting is naturally an interesting subject for Christians because it's been practiced for thousands of years. And in fact, it's practiced in many different religions. But one thing we need to carefully look at is Jesus' 40 days of fasting. He wasn't giving up something. Mark my words, Jesus was not giving up something. He was gearing up for something. And I think we need to do the same thing as we take time in prayer and fasting. Understand, it's not about giving up something. It's not about, I'm going to give this up for 21 days. Well, I'm going to give this up for a couple days a week. It is about gearing up for something. Jesus was gearing up for his ministry at this time. You remember, this was right after he was baptized by John the Baptist. His ministry was beginning. He was gearing up for something. He was gearing up to change this world, to go to the cross and die for us. He was gearing up for it. And I think a lot of times when we fast, we get so caught up on what we're giving up instead of what we're gearing up for. And as we take this time in our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're gearing up. We're gearing up to affect change in this community. We're gearing up to affect change every place we go. Every place we go, we're gearing up. We want to make change in people's lives. So when you take this time, don't just say, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm just taking time off from this. No, you're taking time to gear up to do something. You're taking time to hear God's will for your life and make a change in your own life. You know, and I think as we look at this, Jesus' maximum impact was to liberate us from our slavery. And I think the first thing we do is we fast for a vision. I think we fast for a vision. I think Jesus did the same thing. And in verse 3 and 4, it says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now Luke's version of this story only gives one does not live on bread alone. Matthew adds the rest of it. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it's actually a quote of the Old Testament. It's a quote from Deuteronomy 8.3, where Moses is talking to the Israelites and about leading them into the promised land. And God's word gives us a vision to manifest in our life. And I think the reason, you know, why would Jesus quote this? Man shall not live on bread alone. It really doesn't sound like we should give up bread. It's just saying we can't live on bread alone. But it does tell us that almost like we should eat bread and we should eat God's word. We should eat God's word and 
You know, how can Jesus say this to really justify his fasting? And again, I think we need to follow the science. Scientific research has proven that food creates brain fog and makes us dull. Now, science has proven that fasting actually produces mental clarity and sharpness. So when you have mental clarity, guess what? You're able to understand and read and comprehend God's word and other things better than when we're full of junk and sugar and everything else. So Jesus is saying that we shouldn't live on bread alone, but that we must live on every word of God. In order for me to understand God's word better, I must refrain from bread at some time. Or in other words, in order to eat the spiritual food, I must retain, um, refrain from physical food because the latter prevents the former. And research actually shows that after three days of fasting, our body enters into ketosis, which means our body begins to burn fat as fuel as opposed to sugar for fuel. And then after this three days of fasting, the sugar in our body is basically used up, and our body begins to switch to another source of energy, which is stored in the body, and there's plenty of it in our bodies. We actually have enough fat inside our bodies to last 40 days. I think I have a little more than a 40-day supply, so I think I'll be pretty good. But unlike burning sugar uh, that makes us drowsy and dull, burning fat as fuel is actually like driving an electric car. It's clean. It's clean for the environment, which is our body. So it's actually good for us. And that's why we become energized and our brains become sharper and we're able to comprehend and hear God's voice better because we're not in this dull state of mind. It allows our mind to receive God's word and understand his scripture easier. Now, again, an average person can actually stay in this mental state of clarity for about 40 days. However, after 40 days and all the fat storage is used up, that's when it becomes a problem. Because then at this time, our body begins to use muscle or protein for protein to burn. And if we start losing muscle, that's a bad thing. And that's when things really start to go bad. So losing muscle is a very dangerous situation. And so your body starts screaming for food. And that's right where Jesus was. Jesus was famished. He spent 40 days Probably body had already used up all the fat and was going to use muscle. And if he doesn't eat, things are going to get bad. And that's when Satan shows up. Do you notice that that's when Satan showed up? At his worst time, at his weakest point is when Satan showed up. You ever feel that in your own life? At that weakest point in your life, that's when Satan shows up. And that's when he starts tempting you. And he starts throwing all this stuff at you. And, you know, Satan knows what to tempt each one of us with. And every one of our temptations is going to be a little different. But that's when he shows up, when we're weakest. He knows when to, be, he knows when to tempt us, so we need to be careful. And, of course, the good news is Jesus didn't surrender. Jesus did not surrender to Satan. People who regularly fast describe uh, times of fasting as it's a slower and more intentional time in their lives with fewer attempts to try and micromanage things. You know, and altogether it gives them a greater trust in God. 
And Adele Calhoun, who wrote the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, actually says this. Fasting exposes how we try to keep empty hunger at bay and gain a sense of well-being by devouring creature comforts. See, Jesus had God's word in him, and he had a clear vision in him of what was going to go. So we should also fast for a vision. We should fast for a vision so that we don't get complacent in our current situations. Now, I think the next thing, Jesus fasted for confidence, and I think we can also fast for confidence. In verses 5 and 7, it says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So one of the destructions of life is when we want to prove our worth. We want to prove who we are and prove ourselves to others. And I think anyone who has to prove themselves really has a lack of confidence. You see, confidence is important for us to enjoy our life. And we need to make how we can enjoy our life and make impact on other people's lives. But we don't need to go out there and boast about it. You know, confidence is something that's internal. And the devil tempted him to kind of prove himself that he was the son of God. You know, it's interesting if you've ever been to Jerusalem um, and back in biblical time, the temple in Jerusalem was the highest point. It was the highest point of the temple and there would have been crowds down below. And at that time, if Jesus would have went up there and jumped off of the temple, everyone outside would have seen the angels come and sweep him up to prove that he was the son of God. It would have been nice and easy, but that's not what he was looking for. He wasn't looking to prove he was the son of God by having angels lift him up. He didn't have an ego to prove himself. He knew who he was. He knew what his mission was here on earth. And it wasn't about boasting and making people, you know, praise him as a Messiah. It was to go to the cross to die for our sins. And he knew that, and he had that clear vision. And I like how he says, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. So I think when we fast, we fast for confidence in God and what God's going to do in our life. And the last thing I think is we fast for focus. And I think Jesus also fasted for focus. In verses 8 through 11, it says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Let me read the end of that again. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. See, there's a lot of distractions in this world. There's a lot of things that lure us away from God. Everything's vying for our worship, and we're tempted to worship uh, our possessions, prestige, power, or even people. You see, because there's some people that worship people who are here on earth. And they'll take this person here on earth, and they'll worship him above Jesus. And that's wrong. 
That is creating an idol and worshiping something other than God. And then when people start worshiping people here on this earth, they wonder, where is God in all of this? Well, we took God out of everything. We took God out of the government. We took God out of the schools. We took God out of everything. You can't even say it. But people will worship men and women in this world and make them an idol before God. And it is wrong. It is wrong when we start worshiping people who are flesh and blood just like us. We need to worship God for who he is and everything that he has done for us. Unfortunately, we've given up most of our time and energy for money, sex, and fame. That's what the world tells us to do. That's exactly what the world tells us to do. Which makes zero sense whatsoever. Author Lauren Weiner confessed an obsession that she had with cheese. And I thought this was actually a funny story. She realized one day to her horror that every meal she had that day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks, all had white cheddar cheese in it. Every meal she had, every snack she had, she had some type of white cheddar cheese. You know, and as a woman of faith and someone sensitive to, to the ways of her certain carelessness, um, she realized that she was just being lazy and it really wasn't helping her cholesterol count either. So she decided to give up her cheese. And of course, she was immediately confronted when she went to a cafeteria line and there was a sandwich with her old favorite white cheddar cheese on it. And, of course, what did she do? She started to reach for that sandwich. Oh, that's my sandwich. And then she was reminded, wait a minute, I can't do this. And she remembered just to say no. She just said, no, I can't do that. And it was that reminder to her that she can always say no. And the same thing, we can always say no. If there is something or somebody who vies for all of our time that is not the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to say no. We need to set our focus on him in everything that we do. And any time we fast from something, we basically become dependent upon. You're going to have that time of it's going to be difficult to kind of get away from it. You know, if, if you're addicted to Facebook, if you're addicted to Instagram, maybe you're addicted to coffee. Maybe it's just something that you've got to have every day. Maybe you just need to give it up. Give it up. I know that that's not easy, is it? Jesus went 40 days without food and water in the desert for us, knowing that he was going to go to a cross and die for our sins, but he did that for us. But some of us can't give up something for seven days or for 21 days for him. Are you really worshiping God? Are you seeking to serve him in everything that you do? Or are you kind of stuck in this world? I'm here to tell you, I've done many fasts through my days. It is not easy. I struggle with it. I struggle with giving up things. So the one thing I've learned is if I fast, I do the Daniel fast. At least I can have fruits and vegetables and water. At least I get something. But it's hard. But the biggest part is try not to be addicted to something. Don't let something take that much control over your life that you've got to have it. 
unless it's Jesus. If it's Jesus that takes over your life like that, praise God. But if there's anything in this world, whether it be some kind of stuff or a person that takes that much of your time and your devotion, you need to step away. And you need to look to God's word and you need to look for him to strengthen you to get away from it. And generally what you're going to find is after you, you do spend some time doing a fast, you really didn't need it in the first place. You know, it, it, it actually isn't fasting, but I got some people in here who agree with it. In Via de Cristo, we do a weekend. It starts on Thursday. It ends on Sunday. The whole time you're there, you're not allowed to have a phone. And there's no clock, so you know, never know what time it is. After the weekend, it's generally the next week before I ever pick up my phone again because I forget I even had it. You know how nice it is not to have a phone for like three and a half days? Not to have to check an email? Not to have to worry about a phone call? Not to worry about what time it is? It's amazing. Am I right? <laughs> and you get, we get so caught up on it. I actually saw a picture with a... a, a phone in someone's hand, and it grew roots into their arm. But that's the way we are because we're so caught up, you know, we got to have it right there. Maybe it's a video game. I'm here to tell you I used to play Xbox every single day for a couple hours a day. I don't anymore. I had to give it up. It was distracting. It was taking time away from me. And, yes, I played Call of Duty two hours a day. I was a beast. We need to look at what we can give up to glorify God. It is about getting our focus off of whatever it is that's taking up the majority of our time and focusing on God. Focusing on Him and His Word. Today, many Christians consider fasting more broadly than dietary. And, you know, people might fast from food, like I was saying here, or they may fast from something else. Um... Years ago, Judith White actually coined the phrase soft addiction. And she actually said, soft addiction, she wrote, are activities that pose no health risk, but that endanger personal time, productivity, and relationships. And that's that soft addiction we have, whether it be with Facebook or Instagram or something else, playing video games. That's that soft addiction. It's not like you're out there doing meth and crack. This is more of a soft addiction, but it's still taking up just as much time in your life. You know, we need to fast from such activities so that we can bring our attention and our desires back to God. And Keith DeYoung of the Gospel Coalition and others really got a, really started pushing the, hey, you can fast from other things. You can fast from social media and stuff like that. Um, and, of course, that was never heard of. 10 years ago because we didn't have social media. However, it has taken over and started becoming addictions or soft addictions in people's lives. And Jane Hatmaker's popular book, Seven, an experimental mutiny against excess, she actually described her family's fasting or limiting of different things and their consumption of items that included food and clothes and possessions, media waste, even spending and stress. And what they did is they realized what the core values of their family had to be as Christ followers. And this is actually what they wrote. 
Love God most. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is everything. If we say we love God, then we care about the poor. This earth is God's and everything in it. We should live like we believe this. What we treasure reveals what we love. Money and stuff have the power to ruin us. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. This is what is required. That is it. That is what is required in our life. But boy, do we get caught up in stuff. We get caught up in everything else. See, fasting allows us to focus on the main thing. And Stephen Covey actually said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That makes sense, huh? <laughs> if we can keep the main thing the main thing, then we can have an effective life and we can have fulfillment in our life. Fasting allows us to lose our worldly desires. It allows us to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing in our life should be Jesus Christ. Research shows that about five days after fasting, you enter a state of euphoria. It's interesting. They had to use a scientific name to tell the state that they get into. A state of euphoria. And it's that state of mind where you experience the joy and the oneness with God. So I encourage you, as we go through this week and this 21 days of fasting and prayer, I hope you're actually taking time to fast. And I really hope you're taking time in prayer. That's what we're called to do. Starting this new year out, turn our focus to God and what he wants us and where he wants us as a church to move forward to. How can we affect change in other people's lives? And I think through fasting, we can fast for a vision, confidence, and we can get that focus. We can get that focus back on God where it needs to be on. You know, the experience of fasting teaches us so much more than we expect when we first embark upon it. And if you've never fasted before, it may be new to you. But let me tell you something. There is something after that three, four days when you really feel God's presence that makes that fast worthwhile. And like I said, not everyone can fast from food. Totally understand that. But there's something that's taking time away from God. There is something in your life, whether it be a person, a place, or a thing, that is taking your time from God. It's stealing that time that you should be spending with the Lord. I encourage you, get it out of your life for a couple days. Here are three, four days. You might find after three, four days, hey, I need to keep this out of my life, and it may go seven, and it may go longer. Take time in prayer throughout this week. I encourage you to take time to fast between now and the end of the 21 days and seek God. Seek what he wants for your life. Seek what he's calling you to and maybe he'll open your eyes to idols that you've created by worshiping people of the flesh. Maybe, just maybe, you'll see how you've been doing something wrong. Maybe how you haven't treated a brother and sister in Christ right because your focus has been wrong. You know, last week we talked about where's your focus. This week, believe me, fast for focus isn't there just 
because it happened to be the same. Everything in prayer and fasting has to have that focus. And that focus needs to be on Jesus Christ. So as we get ready to close here today, you may be wondering, hey, I don't know Jesus. Well, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I encourage you to come on up. And we can talk about it. We can pray about it. And we can lock it down today that you can make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you've just been focused on the wrong thing. Maybe you've been idolizing people or idolizing things or idolizing something over God. And maybe you just need to come up here and pray about it. You just need to come up to the altar and say, God, I've focused on other things instead of you. I have allowed idols and stuff to get in between me and you, and I need to get it right with you. Each one of us knows something that's holding us back. And maybe you just need to come up and say, God, I need you to give me the strength to be able to fast from this. Or maybe you just need to come up to the altar and pray and give something to God. I don't know what it is, but you do. And God does. So as we go through this time together and we begin to pray, I'm going to give a couple minutes after I pray. If you want to come up front, you can come up front. If not, I'll come back up and close. So Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning to thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word and for what your word teaches us. And Lord, we thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, went to a cross and died for us. And Lord, may we set our hearts on you. May our focus remain on you. Lord, may, may we be able to give up stuff that's keeping us from you. And whether it's a person, a place, or a thing, whatever it may be, Lord, that those who hear my voice will give it up today, Lord, and seek you with their whole heart. That they will seek to glorify you more than anything else in this world because of what you've done for us. Lord, I have failed you in my life. But, Lord, I now seek you with everything I have. And, Lord, I know there's someone here today who needs to come to this altar and give it back to you and turn all their focus to you. So, Lord, as I lift up this time together of prayer, I just ask that you make a move, that people will come up and seek you and seek to serve you in everything that they do. Let's make this prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.